Uh, just wanted to get into this before uh, we started the, the podcasts today, but um, as, if you're listening to this, I'm sure you have seen the posts on social media, but uh, Kelsey Snow, uh, wife of Chris Snow, posted on social media about four hours ago from the time of this recording, uh, saying, with a shattered heart, I've come to share that yesterday Chris became unresponsive and went into cardiac arrest. Paramedics and doctors were able to get his heart beating again, but devastatingly, a scan showed Chris was, or has suffered a catastrophic brain injury caused by lack of oxygen. His doctors do not expect him to wake up from this. My chest feels cracked open and hollowed out. Chris is the most beautiful, brilliant person I'll ever know, and doing life without him feels untenable hug your people uh the calgary flames um quote tweeted this and stated we cannot convey the impact chris has had on our organization not only in his work but the leadership and positivity he brings despite his own challenges he is a beacon of light uplifting all of us around him our hearts are with kelsey cohen and willa as chris continues to battle um the the snowy strong initiatives have been uh, making their ways around social media for a, a very long time and the the fight that that Chris has put up uh, against ALS has been nothing short of inspiring and to, to watch um, him battle this thing and to, to watch how his family ha- has handled this has been like I said not, nothing short of inspiring and just I, I couldn't even begin to imagine and I just it's not great to be at a loss of words for for this type of a thing, but uh, I am at a complete loss of words for uh, for that family. So it, it seems very trivial, but absolutely they, they are in our thoughts right now as they, they continue to, to kind of work through this. So um, the, it, it feels weird to just transition to, hey, sports now. But um, yeah, I just wanted to, to say off the top how, how absolutely heartbreaking it was to, to see that update today and just how... Um, just how much we're thinking of the family. So, um, it, it, again, it feels weird that we're going to go into sports talk, but um, wanted to get that done off the top. And now let's let, let's get into the, uh, the the rest of the show. Welcome, everyone, to Couch Potato Diary. Uh, obviously, the voice doing a little bit better. My name is Peter Klein. Thank you all so much for tuning in today. If you're watching on YouTube, thank you. Thank you. Uh, subscribe, like, bell icons, all those sorts of things help. Um, if you're listening to a podcast form, rate, review, subscribe, wherever you can. We will see how long my voice holds up. There will be five podcasts this week. I just don't know if the makeup is going to be today or tomorrow or Friday, but there will be five podcasts coming out this week. On this particular episode, we're going to look at the Michael Backlund contract and what it means for both Backlund and the Calgary Flames. We're going to look at NHL coaches on the hot seat, going to dive into the Calgary Stampeders loss over the weekend, and then a uh, look at the early storylines for Canelo Alvarez against Jermel Charlo coming up this week weekend. Uh, you can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKlein, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK, and you can email this show, CouchPotatoDiary at Yahoo.com, and search Couch Potato Diary out on Facebook. All right, let's get into it with some big news from the Calgary Flames. The Flames have signed Michael Backlund to a two-year, $9 million contract, which is $4.5 million a season. And this deal makes complete sense to me, for both sides, really. Um, from a Flames standpoint, well, we'll start at first. If Backlund, like, just completely, if his game just completely falls off of a cliff coming into this upcoming season, 
the neither the term nor the dollar amount is really going to be that much of a hindrance to this team. I don't think. Anyway, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, four point five million dollars isn't ideal to be paying someone who whose game has fallen off of a cliff. But that that's not going. You're not going to look at it and go, oh well, that's the reason that the Flames are in the the shape they're in is because Backlund's making four point five. That that's not going to be the case. So I, I feel like the risk portion of a, a risk-reward analysis for this contract is pretty minimal, to, to be perfectly frank with you. And the reward of it, uh, I think there is great upside to this. Um, you, you have a player who ha- has been a standard-bearer for the Flames for the last five or ten seasons. Obviously, he didn't start out that way with Backlund, as um, it took him a bit of time to, to figure out what he was as an NHL, or it took Flames fans a lot of time to, to figure out what they expected from him and what to expect from him. And what they have now is one of the more consistent players you'll see in the National Hockey League. You can play him at, um, uh, at the two for center, but, boy, he's a real good third-line center. And um, what what he can do in the 200-foot game, he can produce offensively. Defensively, you're very comfortable with him. Th- th- there isn't one situation that you could put him out there in that you would feel uncomfortable that Backlund w- would be the guy out there. And so for a Flames organization that is coming out of a very rocky period right now, it makes sense to, to lock this guy in and have him be kind of a, a stabilizing force in this organization. So for 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 Calgary, um, it, it's just it's it's a big deal, I think, because you, you look at it. If this team is going to be competitive next season, um, then they're going to need Michael Backlund to to step up and to, to play, pay your center, uh, your, your third line center, four point five million dollars. You feel comfortable with that, and he is going to be someone who, like I said, can contribute and. Um, but if this team does kind of go into the tank and if things just completely fall apart, um, A, while we are assuming they're going to make him the captain, and we'll get to that in a second, um, but you could trade him, right? Like $4.5 million is not a contract that feels um, not not a contract that feels like it's it'd be tough to move at the deadline or anything like that. There would obviously be things with moving your captain, so it may not be the, the most movable. But um, he's also a player who you want your young players around. You know, whether it's Pelche when he comes back from injury, Connor Zari, um, Matt Coronado, any of those, or Ruzicka, right? Doer. Um, you put any of those guys with Michael Backlund, he makes them better, right? Like, that that's what he did all last year. Uh, oh, Magic Patty's kind of struggling a little bit. Put him with Michael Backlund. Oh, Huberto's struggling. Backlund. You know, like, a- anyone who was kind of falling off a little bit, you put him with Michael Backlund, and it, it just seemed to correct things. Sorry. Swig of water for the working man. Um, so this is a, a, a move that I, I think the Flames absolutely, um, I think makes absolute sense. For the the Calgary Flames, um, for Michael Backlund, you you put him on an organization where he has been for forever, um, and that works. You know, like that that's he he's comfortable in this organization, obviously, or he wouldn't have signed the contract. Like the the big thing for the player. Sorry, still working through this. <clears throat> Even more sorry. Um, the big thing for the player is you look at like legacy and and stuff like that like he, he 
maybe I'm overthinking it a little bit, but but spending your whole career in one with one organization would have to be really cool. And um, he, he is going to be a cornerstone piece of whatever this franchise does next, whether it's a rebuild, whether it's a, a push toward the Stanley Cup playoffs. He is the, the cornerstone for that. Now he's going to be rewarded by being the, the captain of this team. I, I think a very deserving captain of the, the Calgary Flames as well. And I, I think for, for young players coming in, much like Mark Giordano kind of set the standard for the work ethic that was going to be required with the Flames, I think Backlund is, is going to kind of be uh, a prototype for what the, the Flames are expecting in terms of professionalism, in terms of what's expected off the ice, um, and what's expected on it as well. And he is someone who, as far as we know, and it, I mean, it's 2023 in hockey, so who knows, but as far as we know, it's it's check, 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 all the way down the line. Um, I don't think you could ask for a more perfect captain, and I, I think, well, they haven't done a lot, here, uh, Michael Backlund is absolutely the type of player that you win with, and I, if, if he went to free agency, I, I think there would be 31 other teams beating down his door to, to try to bring him in for the exact reasons that, that we just laid out. So, uh, Michael Backlund signing with the Flames today is an absolute home run. That's not the end of the hockey talk. Let's get into a, a bit more of our NHL preview. All right, let's continue our NHL previews, looking at coaches on the hot seat. And admittedly, I had kind of like just, oh yeah, coaches on the hot seat. Put that in. We do that for all of our previews. Let's just roll with that. There aren't a ton this year in the NHL. They're either like on established teams and doing fine, um, on teams that have kind of fallen off, but have been there through the good times and it would feel kind of shitty if they got fired um, or are brand freaking new. So that there aren't a whole lot of obvious ones. And so I, I came up with four and admittedly two of them are a stretch. So I, I am putting that out there that, that I know, I know. Um, but I, I think that you can make at least a compelling case for a, a couple of them. Two of them, I think, are pretty obvious. And obviously, they're in Canadian markets. We will start with the Ottawa Senators. Um, if you listen to Maud and Charlie on Game Over Ottawa last year, you know that it was a grind for the Ottawa Senators to to get through that season. That There were high expectations. Alex Zabrinkit gets acquired, and then people are like, hey, is this a top six? It's better than the Toronto Maple Leafs. And the answer was a resounding no. Um, but that roster still should have been a playoff roster. That They obviously dealt with some injury issues, goaltending was a concern, and thus that is a team that did not make the playoffs. That result is not acceptable this year in Ottawa. The Sens need to finally take a step forward, and if they don't, it's going to cost DJ Smith his job. And I would say they need to look like a team that is taking a step forward rather quickly for DJ Smith to, to retain his services. This team can't go 3-6-1 out of the chute. Um... Or or things will be bad, I think, for for DJ Smith. So that this is a, a coach that needs to get his team going right away. You, you look at, like I said last year, they take the home run swing at the Brinkett, and they miss. They turn it into a double with that trade, and then um, Vlad Tarasenko, and are going for it again. But you now have Stutzla on a, a real contract. Norris is on a pretty big one as well, although he's had some injury issues. The, the time to win is now for Ottawa, and not even like a championship. Just get into the fucking playoffs. Um, it, it's, it has been an eternal rebuild, it feels like, for Ottawa. They now need to take that step forward. And if they don't, I, and if they don't look like they're going too quickly, I, I think it will 100% cost DJ Smith 
his job. The other one, you don't have to go hard, or don't have to go far, sorry. Uh, it's Sheldon Keefe out in Toronto. It's wild how much the goalposts moved, where it was just, just win a playoff series and we'll be happy. And they did, and then they looked like dog shit in the second one, and changes have to be made. And look, changes probably do have to be made, and the easiest one would be the coach. Um, that change was not made as Bradshaw Living steps in as general manager. He did this with Bob Hartley, gave him a, a, a year to, to figure things out, and then that team went on a, a wild run. But it's it, it has to look like it's going well. In Toronto, I, I think first and foremost for for Sheldon Keefe to keep his job again. It can't be a slow start, um, and th this one's probably one that goes through the season. Like uh, it, it would have to be going terribly in Toronto for Sheldon Keefe to, to lose his job. But it is not out of the realm of possibility, and the, the range of outcomes for Toronto this year certainly includes a stretch where they've lost uh, seven of nine, and they fire the coach to, to try to you know really. Get the get the team rolling, um, and, and so I, I think when you look at it from a, a Toronto standpoint, the the core has been locked in, um, with the exception obviously of, of William Nylander. We'll, we'll see what that, those contract negotiations end up being, but the the most obvious one would be the coach if they want to to do that. So um, while it feels like the the Toronto coach is just perpetually on the chopping block. This year, it, it feels legit. Now, we'll get to the two that admittedly are a bit of a stretch. Um, Andre Turney out in Arizona. Uh, I think the Coyotes are actually primed to take a bit of a step forward this year. And so, I I would imagine that because of those expectations, it's going to need to look like they're going to. And so, again, if this team is feeling out of it by December, uh, a change is probably made. That this is not the Arizona Coyotes who are going to be going out and bringing in all the bad contracts to acquire assets. that they, They've done that. They have their young core. They have brought in some veterans. I didn't love all of the signings, but they brought in some veterans. And now this is the time where they want to take a step. Now, they don't have to be 30 and 10 by the All-Star break um, or anything like that. But I, I think that there needs to be some clear and obvious signs that, that things are going in the right direction in Arizona. This is not to put any of the past failings on the, the coach. Um, this is just a expectations are raised slightly in Arizona and he needs to match them. Um, and uh, Don Granato out in Buffalo. This is a Sabres team that, again, looking to take that step forward. The Eastern Conference is tough, but they, they have built what they think is a team that is, is should be ready to take that next step. Um, and again, if they don't look like they're going to take that step, uh, a change in coach is going to be made. And this is something like you, you look at three of these four teams are trying to come out of rebuilds. Um, you could argue, argue Toronto is too. Um, but three of these four teams are obviously coming out of rebuilds. And to, to, to this is the cautionary tale that, that you would say to anyone who is saying, oh yeah, just blow it up and start over. It's real like the, the blowing it up part, like it, it seems fine. Oh, prospects and draft picks for whatever. Coming out of a rebuild is really, really difficult to do. And teams really struggle with it more often than you would think. So it's not just blow up, blow up a team, get young players, win championships. That does work when you do it right. But it, it's this period that Ottawa has struggled to, to get out of and that Arizona and, and Buffalo are, are just now trying to, to get through. It is going from bad to good that is a, a real, real stretch for, for some of these teams. And so it, it is a bit of a cautionary tale for those who, who want the, the rebuild always. Um, just, just remember, it, it doesn't 
doesn't always work out. Moving into football, the Calgary Stampeders with a just devastating loss over the weekend to the Montreal Alouettes. Um, I would go so far as to say an embarrassing loss for the, the Calgary Stampeders. And there's a couple of reasons why. Um, first, the Stampeders absolutely needed that win. Like, they, they, they had a chance to move to within two points of Saskatchewan for uh, the, the final playoff spot in the West and get to, again, within kind of striking distance of a potential crossover spot as well. And you wouldn't have known it from watching it. That was an abysmal performance by the, the Calgary Stampeders. Um, Mayor made mistakes when you absolutely could not. We, we were looking at it. At, at one point, it was 18-8. to 8, And I was like, you know, like... Mayer threw an interception. I believe it was an interception. Um, in, like, around the 35-yard line. So that's, you know, field goal range. And then he threw an interception in the end zone. That's touchdown range. That's 10 points. They're losing by 10. That seems like a bit of an issue. Um, it, it's just... I, I get that there are tools there. for uh, Probably. Uh, we, we've only seen them, kind of. But he just keeps making mistakes that cost this team in big, big moments. And it, it's just, you, you you cannot have that when you are trying to compete. And for for the Stampeders, now look, not not all hope is lost, right? Like Saskatchewan lost to Ottawa. Um, so it, it's not like there's rolling juggernaut that's about to pull away, pull away from the, the, the Stampeders. But that was your chance to kind of control things. You, you win that game. You win the game against Saskatchewan on Friday the 13th um, out here at McMahon. And then all of a sudden, you control your own destiny. Instead, now you are in major catch-up mode. Uh, for a, a team now that's 4-10, and ten, I believe, um, it, it's just, at some point, you have to accept you're a bad team, and that the Stampeders are a bad team. But the biggest concern, it's not just on the field. A lot of that. A lot of that. The biggest concern for the Stampeders is that it kind of feels like no one cares. Um, and I'm not, I'm not talking about the football team. I'm, I'm sure they cared. They didn't look like it. Quite frankly, like they didn't have the urgency that you would need for that situation. Where, like, talking with Bender, who went to the game with him, um, talking with him in the parking lot before the game, it felt like a playoff game. At least for us. Didn't look like it from the, the, the player's standpoint. But it really feels like it just, like, oh, they lost? Okay. That, that's how it has felt across this city. I was at the game that was not a team that was booed off the field at halftime. They were not booed off the field to, to, to end the football game. Everyone just kind of went, watched, and left. Um, social media was not flooded after with how could the Calgary Stampeders blow this opportunity against Montreal? How could they put out that kind of an effort to uh, against the Montreal Alouettes in this type of performance? There, there wasn't any of that. You, you didn't see, Talk shows weren't uh, exploding with all these phone calls about or, or tweets or texts or anything uh, about how the, the Stampeders have failed in, in this quest. It was silent. And that is a very big problem for the Stamps. Look, they, they had a difficult time getting people here to care when they were winning. Um, and now that it, it's been a couple of years now since the winning has kind of stopped it really does feel like no one cares anymore. Like, there was... I, I saw, obviously, that the Flames had a preseason game over the weekend where they won 10 to nothing, um, And the Flames are always going to, to dominate out here. But I saw more about Cavalry FC over the weekend than I did about the, the Stampeders. And that is a big, big problem 
out here in Calgary for this team right now. Um, there wasn't like at the the stadium, it, like it was fine. It was fun. I had fun. Went with a bunch of people I knew. Had fun going to a football game. It's relatively inexpensive to to go, but that did not feel like a playoff atmosphere. Um, and like I said, like the, this everything surrounding it kind of feels like it may as well not have even happened. And that is a big problem for the the, the Stamps right now. Moving into boxing, big fight coming up this weekend as Canelo Alvarez takes on Jermel Charlo. Um, just some early storylines. This is normally a Monday segment coming up on a, a big fight, but didn't have a podcast on Monday because the whole I didn't have a voice thing. Um, th- this is, uh, I think, a really important fight for Canelo Alvarez. He has not looked impressive in a while. It's been three or four fights since Canelo has looked like Canelo. Like, he pitched a shutout in the last one, but no one came out of that being like, oh, man, Canelo's back. Uh, it was just kind of there. Um, and then that's kind of been the performances as of late. So this is a, a bigger name that he now has to go out and show he still deserves to be the guy in the sport of boxing. Like, there was the, the conversations around a couple of fights recently about who's the face of boxing. It's Canelo until um, proven otherwise. But if this fight's a bit of a dud, we might be proven otherwise. So I, I think for Canelo, he's always going to be a big draw, right? Like, and especially among the, the Mexican fans, right? But he gets knocked off of the, the usual September date. Um, he gets moved to the end of the month here. This needs to be a vintage Canelo performance to, to re-engage fans and, I, I think, get a bit of that Canelo mystique around a fight back. Um, for Charlo, it's a rather substantial move up in weight, and it is a significant move up in quality of competition. Uh, Charlo just unified the belts at 154 pounds. Very, very quality fighter. He, there are And look, most people who fight Canelo unless they're fighting him for the second time, are going to be facing the best fighter they've ever fought in their lives. Um, so that this is nothing new, but this is a test that Jermel Charlo is going to, to have to pass. Um, if he doesn't, I, I don't think it's a major hit to the resume or anything like that, but this is a major step up in, in like, physically and also in competition for Jermel, Jermel Charlo. I'll be interested to see how he handles it this weekend. That's going to do it for the show. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Uh, Again, if you're watching on YouTube, um, subscribe to the channel, like the video, leave a comment. All that stuff helps. Um, If you're listening in podcast form, rate, review, subscribe wherever you can. You can find me on social media, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. I'm at PrimetimeKline, twitch.tv slash PrimetimePK. You can find the show on Facebook. Just search Couch Potato Diary. And you can email the show, couchpotatodiary at yahoo.com. Coming up on our next show, I think my voice is holding up well enough that um, uh, it might be coming out later today. If it's not, it'll come out very early tomorrow. Um, Big trade in the NBA. We'll be looking at the Damian Lillard trade to Milwaukee Bucks. We're going to be doing CFL power rankings, NFL buy, sell. Um, I had Blue Jays kind of penciled in for that. We'll probably save that now. Uh, until the the actual Thursday show. Coming up on Thursday's show, uh, NFL Power Rankings and some of the NFL storylines coming out of week three in the league. And then Friday, it's Fighting Football Friday. We do have another NHL preview uh, coming up where we're going to be looking at difference makers across the NHL as well as breakout candidates for the Flames. So stay tuned for that. Uh, But then it is CFL Picks. NFL picks for every game, and we'll get into a Canelo Alvarez breakdown. So, uh, a lot coming up on the show this week. Thank you all so much, and I will talk to you all.